Lights, action, performance. It's time to showcase yourself with us. It's the Entertainment Biz Podcast. So it's Tom Brace, magician on our podcast for today. Hello, Tom. Hi. Hello, Roger. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Bevel is with us today as well to join us. Uh, So we've got to ask you, uh, the love of magic, when did it start for you? Well, I was actually quite a a late bloomer uh, in the magic world, so to speak. Um, Lots of magicians always talk about, you know, getting their first magic set at eight, uh, you know, and becoming like obsessed with it when they were young. I was, and I need to get this right, I think 25. Um, So this was uh, about three or four years ago now. Um, Always had wanted to be an actor, uh, trained in in performance in terms of uh, I I got a theatre degree from the University of Kent. Uh, and then went off uh, to try and do the acting thing, realised that I there wasn't enough work slash I wasn't good enough. Uh, and so I, uh, I then very quickly did what most performers or wannabe performers do, and then I went into sort of theatre administration. So I started working theatre marketing, started working behind the scenes, um, and I got a job at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And with uh, the Pleasant Theatre, um, who are quite a big venue up there. I uh, spent three years with them, uh, each year going up to the festival. Uh, and then one year I saw a, uh, I saw a magician uh, just walking around doing close-up magic table to table. Uh, and it blew my mind. And he, he did this trick and, and I just became slightly obsessed with it. And I think the mixture of sort of seeing that and being slightly frustrated that I wasn't performing, I, I thought, well, maybe I could give... Uh, magic again uh, and then basically I, I got off the the train from edinburgh been up there for six weeks got off the train from edinburgh and went to a magic shop in king's cross it was like a proper harry potter story uh and yeah and then sort of started buying books and dvds and and things and and very quickly became quite obsessed with it and and then yeah and sort of subsequently left my desk job threw it all in and and, and gave the magic a go and then I, I've been doing it since. So there we go, a bit of word vomit for you right at the start. Um, but that's kind of where my love came from. So what were you doing before magic then? So yeah, I was doing, it was, uh, I was working for the Pleasant's marketing uh, team. So it was, I'd go up to Edinburgh and I'd help them promote their, their fringe shows. Uh, essentially sort of giving out flyers and, and putting together brochures and things like that. And I absolutely loved it. I met some amazing people, had some of the best summers of my life because you go up there for the entirety of August um, and it's such a thrill. And if, you, if anyone hasn't been before, I really, really recommend it. Um, and I loved it, but I just, I missed, I was jealous of people that I was promoting shows for and I wanted to do that myself. Um, and I thought, well, how can I do that? And then I, it, it was just by chance that I sort of stumbled across magic and then, it's 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 addictive. Once you start learning it, um, it it becomes very very easy to fall down a rabbit hole uh, and spend lots of your money on books and and cards and things like that. So um, so yeah, that was kind of basically the sort of the story into it. So you were learning you were learning all about it just through books and through YouTube. Did you go to magic school or something? Do you know what this is? What well. people ask? Yeah, people, I often get asked, "Did you did you go to magic school?" No, I um, yeah, it was purely through through uh, sort of buying books from a magic shop, buying sort of DVDs, like tutorial DVDs. Um, there's an interesting sort of concept in magic where you don't you don't necessarily buy tricks; you sort of buy secrets. Uh, you know, someone will think of a way of of doing the impossible, and then you you say, "Well, I I want a bit of that. I want to know how to do that." So you sort of buy the the secret from them so yeah there, i mean there are magic schools and magic classes and 
uh, and, and, and whatnot and and all that kind of thing. But yeah, fundamentally, I, I learned from just sort of reading uh, and watching DVDs and, and things like that. And, you know, there are lectures and there's, there's conventions and, and, and it's a really, really, um, really, really popular, uh, popular hobby for some people and profession for lots. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no sort of official training, so to speak. I've got a degree in, in theatre, uh, in theatre performance. And I do think uh, that is a huge part of, of what I, you know, of how I learned to do what I do, because I, I was confident speaking on stage. I was confident performing. I was, uh, I, I, I had also done a bit of stand up um, whilst I was at university. So that transition was, was sort of fine. It was just the, the learning, the sleight of hand and the, and the, the secrets, so to speak, that was the um, was the challenge. Yeah, I was going to say it's um, very apparent that part of magic is the performance element of it. Mm. So your degree helped you immeasurably, I imagine. While you were learning then, did you practice on family? Yes. Yeah, I sort of drove family and friends, uh, you know, insane. Yes, yeah, you know. but, and, and I think that is sort of why I was so keen to to transition into doing this for for people other than family or friends because there's only so many times you can say to your housemate, uh, "Go on, just watch this, see if you can work it out," and and they're very supportive and they they're very kind, but they um yeah, I think to a degree everyone sort of there's only so many card tricks they can see before they go a bit mad. Um, mm. So yeah. what what um what magicians do you hold in high regard? You know, oh, what influences you? Yeah, I mean that's a really good question because again, I didn't have that sort of love of magic growing up. Um, so I do feel like a lot of my uh, inspirations are fairly are fairly modern in terms of magicians. Um, there's a couple of artists up at the at the fringe. Um, Nick Mohammed, who plays a character called Mister Swallow, um, he, he's like a He's, he's, a, he's one of those faces where you see him on everything um, and you sometimes don't realise that he is also a magic act. Uh, very silly, very sort of slapsticky, uh, humorous, sort of surreal magic. I would actually say a lot of my influences for what I do probably don't come from the magic world, but my sort of love of um, sort of like physical comedy growing up, where I used to absolutely love uh, Faulty Towers uh, and, you know, that those kind of... Monty Python esque uh, shows that had that sort of visual visual humor mixed with that clever wordplay. So a lot of my inspiration for my performance style actually doesn't come from magic. It comes from this sort of old school sort of variety comedy sort of uh, uh, background. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting, is it? So you're not the traditional stand in a penguin suit to produce a bit of magic. What? No. How would you describe your style then? You get on the stage and. Yes, I mean, that's a, so basically, my show is all about. Um, well, my, my style and my sort of my character is, I'm a magician. I can do incredible things, things that are impossible but are totally pointless. Um, so, for example, uh, people always say to me, "Can you can you predict the lottery numbers?" Um, but I can only see forty two minutes into the future. Um, so it's a very specific skill that I have um, and so the way I present my show is that I can do these amazing things things that you know normal humans can't do but they have no point or or they're very uh, restricted um, they've got some odd conditions on them for example I do a bit in my uh, in my new show where I can make something teleport from one side of the stage to the other but it can only be uh, 1.4 meters 
Um, so it's, it's oddly specific, uh, and that's kind of the character. And then the humour of, of this sort of man who can do the impossible, uh, but without much sort of use in the real, or no, no real world application, is kind of where the humour comes from. Um, and then basically, yeah, I mean, that sort of then has transitioned into what I'm doing for this year. So yeah, I'm bringing my show to the Camberley Theatre on the 3rd of June, and this show is all about what a magician does when he can't perform on stage or you know uh, you know you've, you've been locked up you're in a pandemic you're locked down you can't do what you normally do so it kind of explores all the things that i've done over the year from the comfort of my own home if that makes sense i was going to say where did you come up with this idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah there wasn't much choice really um, it's been a very very confusing uh, and a difficult year for performers and, and uh, you know, not just magicians, but actors, musicians, everyone. You know, we've, uh, you know, in the last few days, obviously, it's been a year since theatres closed. And there's that that whole sense of we were the first ones shut and we'll be the last ones to um, to reopen in society. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's been a challenge uh, and working out how you do socially distanced magic has been the sort of the focus for. Uh, yeah, 11 months now, 12 months. Um, but do you know what? It's actually been really enjoyable. The first few months were tricky, but then eventually the whole sort of magic community, will. we sort of looked at it and we've got to work out something. Otherwise, we'll all disappear, if you're pardon the pun. Um, and and so, yeah, and, so, and a big part of this year has also been Zoom shows. Um, so that's been how I've been making my money um, for the year, is actually performing magic over Zoom. So obviously, you know, you're on Zoom at the moment. So is there a, is there a trick that you could tell us right now? In yeah, the absolutely. So um, one of the things that I realised with um, with magic and certainly um, with sort of performing over Zoom is it was much trickier for me to to get people to interact with me. Uh, but the whole thing with magic is it has to be nice and interactive. So, uh, for example, the, like the first thing that popped into my head when I realised I wouldn't be able to to do magic face-to-face is how would I do a card trick? Uh, and uh, this is how I do it. So, Beverly, uh, Beverly, are you any good at shuffling cards? I'm not bad at shuffling cards. Fantastic. You're going to be perfect for this. Um, I've got a pack of cards here. Now, these are slightly different. Um, they're adapted for Zoom because these are uh, invisible cards. Uh, they're much easier to use. In fact, I can pass them through the screen to you. So if you could just take those. There we go. Uh, and if you could just give them a little shuffle for me, Beverly, that would be amazing. So you are, you are pretty good. That's fantastic. Uh, now, what I want you to do is with those cards, I want you just to spread through all of the cards. Look at every single face. Uh, make sure they're well shuffled. Don't let me or Roger see. Uh, you're going to pick a card. It's a classic trick. You're going to pick a card, any card. Um, do me a favor, though. Make sure it's not the Queen of Hearts or the Ace of Spades, because everyone picks those. Uh, we don't want people to think that, you know, it's an obvious choice. Uh, do you have one? Okay, um, so I take one, but I don't tell you. Don't tell me what it is. No, you can just take it out of the pack. Look at it. Make sure Roger doesn't see, just in case he's feeding me any information. Uh, and I want you to take yeah. it, turn it upside down, and put it back in the pack. Now, obviously, this trick works as well uh, over Zoom, but it also works. I mean, I imagine some of your listeners will be listening via the podcast. So at the moment, uh, they haven't missed anything because these cards are invisible. You know, what you're seeing is, is what they're seeing. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, I want you to take those cards and put them uh, back through the screen to me. Uh, I will give them a little shuffle. I'm going to put them in a box and close it up and then just put it on the table. Now, this is the bit that's mind-blowing. This is the bit that I've been working on for a while. Uh, and this is the bit, unfortunately, anyone who's sitting on the podcast, uh, you won't see. But trust me, 
Uh, you'll hear Beverly and Roger's reactions and you'll feel like you're in the room with us. When I snap my fingers, you're not going to believe this, the cards that you shuffled that were invisible, Beverly, become completely <sighs> real. A real pack yeah. of cards. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I guess there probably there might be some people, some spectators listening uh, on the podcast that might not believe that that's actually just happened. Um, so what I like to do to prove that these cards were invisible um, is there should be in here one card turned upside down because you turned a card upside down, right? Uh, so that's right, I did exactly. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So what card did you pick, Beverly? I picked the Seven of Clubs. The Seven of Clubs. So that means the Seven of Clubs should be the only card in this pack upside down. You are the eyes and the ears of the audience and everyone at home. I'm going to just spread through the cards and you tell me when you see one that is upside down. There. Yeah, yeah, that one. I'll take it. I'll pop it in my mouth. Out of all the cards you could have turned over, it was. <laughs> uh, that is crazy. That's crazily good. That is, I can vouch for the fact, people listening, it is the Seven oh, of you. Clubs. Seven of Clubs, yeah, the only card upside down. So that is, yeah, that's sort of basically, uh, that that opens my Zoom show at the moment. Um, and I think but that, people- hold on, let me, let me just let me just stop you just there. That basically yeah. starts your show. I mean, there's nothing basic about that because I could have picked anything. <laughs> Yeah, were you, were you subliminally messaging me or something? I have no idea. No, the cards were just invisible. Um, that's a, I mean, that's the thing. People always think that I perhaps am doing some sort of Darren Brown mind control and putting cards in their head. Um, the cards were because now I can make the cards invisible again. Look, I'll show you. Isn't that mate? Look, they're just. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, it's crazy, yeah, crazy, crazy. magic card. Yeah. And yeah, that's the start. So, um, so the show, you know, it's an hour long. So typically. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope gets better throughout the show. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that is sort of the what it's what it's been like over the last year. And now this new show that we're bringing to Camberley um, is yeah, it's sort of that kind of thing, but translated to real life. And you know, and the hope is that we you know we bring people up on stage in a socially distanced way. We ask if people are comfortable. There's um, there's hand sanitizer, there's masks involved. And we've really sort of thought about how we make this work. Um, because obviously, you know, as as much as you know the, the vaccine rollout and, and stuff is 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 working, there's no denying that there's going to be some level of social distancing for a while. I mean, especially over you know the winter months, there's there's talk of you know these things you know coming coming and going. Uh, and as a magician, I still need to work throughout those times. So it's been a really important year to to work out how you sort of do such an intimate close up thing, socially distanced, uh, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, I mean, hopefully, we we did a version of the show back in uh, the summer in August on Brighton Beach. We did it in open air, an open air uh, theatre on the beach, which was amazing next to Brighton Pier. Uh, and so hopefully, yeah. Uh, we come to Camberley and we um, we sort of, yeah, we get people. I, I, I want people to feel confident to go back to the theatres, um, not just for my show, but for, for other shows as well. Because, like I said, we are the we are the industry that's been the hardest hit, I would say. Um, especially, you know, you know, if you're a self-employed uh, performer, you've had your, you know, you, you haven't had the furlough, you've had the grants, but you've you've definitely taken a knock this year. Um, so, yeah, I would encourage anyone listening, if you can, 
uh, please come to my show in Camberley um, on the 3rd, but also come to go to any other shows. I know they've got a fantastic lineup of comedians and, and bands and tribute artists and things. So if you can, yeah. And I'm sure you're all dying to go out anyway because we've all been locked up for a year. I've got to ask you, Tom, uh, as a group of magicians, do you all kind of share uh, um, tricks and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so uh, typically each year there is the uh, the Blackpool Magic Convention. Um, so it is the biggest magic convention in the world, uh, and it's in Blackpool, of all places. Uh, it is, uh, it's like 4,000 magicians. We all get together uh, every year, uh, and we, yeah, we basically, we celebrate all things magic there's lectures there's shows there's a big hall of uh, of like sort of magic creators uh, that are there sort of selling their secrets selling their products uh and yeah it's a really lovely community it's 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 lovely it's yeah there's lots of people uh that are just so happy to share and work together and over the last 12 months because we've all taken our craft online uh, there's a facebook group and there's probably uh, there's thousands of us in it uh, and it's sort of magicians sharing how they've adapted, you know. So it's it's people like say, oh, do you know what? I, I worked out how to do this card trick on Zoom. You guys should try it out. You know, here's how I do this. And it's lovely. There, I think there's a sort of, there's a, a kind of, what's the word I'm trying to, uh, there's a kind of thought, thought process that perhaps magicians are very secretive and there's like magic rivalries. And of course, you know, like in any profession, there, there is, you know, but um, but fundamentally there's a lot of support there's a lot of uh, camaraderie, um, and yeah, it's a, it's a very lovely sort of welcoming environment, especially for someone who, who joined it so late in life. Um, I kind of expected to turn up to Blackpool Magic Convention on my first year of doing magic and see all these people that have been doing it for 20, 30 years and, and feel a little bit shunned, but it was lovely. I think magicians and magic has become more and more popular thanks to the variety of uh, like programs like Britain's Got Talent, for instance, yes. where they had one hell of a year, one year where I think it was about five magicians all in the final. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, last year as well was um, was incredible in terms of magic. There was there were so many amazing artists. You obviously had uh, Magical Bones, uh, who is very popular um yeah and and ben hart over the years and there has been a a, a sort of a, a, a resurgence in magic um which is lovely because I, I do remember a time where magic was sort of a bit laughed at and a bit sort of sneer you know there was a, there was definitely a time where those those variety shows got magicians on to make them look silly uh and i don't think that's the case anymore i think there's a real um a real sort of comeback in magic uh and because, you know, and I remember, you know, even though I wasn't that interested in it growing up, it was still a very popular art form. Uh, um, yesterday was five years as well since uh, Paul Daniels died. It was five years ago yesterday. Um, so there's, it's still out there. And I think, yeah, you're right. It's absolutely coming back in a in a big way. Uh, and hopefully, you know, it's, it's here to stay for a bit. Yeah, I think after, the you know, sadly, Paul passing away, for instance, um, it was a kind of... There was no no magicians around, or well, there was magicians around, but there was no one to kind of take his legacy on and take it further until the uh, the talent shows came along. And I think you know it's ever yeah. popular as you know it was then. Absolutely, yes, yeah. You've got um, there are obviously a few magicians that are still are still about and and are sort of you know carrying on that legacy. 
obviously Darren Brown is a huge sort of global um, phenomenon now uh, and sort of the likes of Dynamo and, and that sort of street magic kind of type thing. Um, but what, what, I, what I really enjoy is, is, yeah, is sort of trying to bring that old school, the old school variety performance back in a modern way. Um, so I don't, like you said earlier, Beverly, I don't come out in a, um, you know, like penguin suit and, and it's not all doves and, and things. And, and my show is, is, uh, is, is both sort of nostalgic and, and classic, but also modern and contemporary at the same time. And I kind of hate that I just said that because I think it makes me sound a bit pretentious, but um, it's about sort of making sure that your, your art form is still relatable um, and making sure like, and a lot of my show uses, um, uses popular culture references that people now understand. Um, my, my show that I do at Camberley um, involves a section called, uh, based entirely around who wants to be a millionaire. Um, and we play out a game of who wants to be a millionaire with a magic twist. So it's sort of, it's taking, it's taking classic plots and tricks and, and, uh, and sort of special powers and, and making them relevant to, to young audiences Um and, and, and lots of the rest of the show as well is, you know, because I, I, my show is branded as a, a show for all ages and it, it very much does rely on that sort of Saturday night Britain's Got Talent audience. You know, the, the mums, the dads, the nans, the children all sitting down together and watching it um, at the same time. So that's kind of that's the that's the style of it. Yeah, I think that's great to have something that's like family entertainment that you can all go wow and you can look at it from different perspectives as well. I like the sound of your style of magic. And when you said, you know, you thought it sounded a little bit pretentious how you explained your magic. Well, I think it's something like maybe like doing up an old house. You love a lot of things within that old house, but you know, you've got to bring it into the modern world. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be living with COVID for years and years, aren't we? So if you've got a way of doing safely socially distanced Mm -hmm. magic if that is the way that we've got to do it longer term so you're a little bit diverse that's great because we've all got to learn a new way of doing things and that's in all sectors that's the audience watching and the performers performing as well so i think i might uh, log off from from this podcast and actually go and buy some tickets that'd be great how did you get to how did you get to um have the gig at camberley so it's well, I mean it's it's it, it's been a long time coming, Camberley. Um, so I I toured. I've got a, a, a show that basically was touring the UK. Um, I, I take it up to Edinburgh for the Fringe each year because of my connections up there. Uh, and then last no, it would have been two thousand and nineteen actually. Two thousand and nineteen, I went out on a like a UK tour. So I had thirty five. Uh, venues that I was touring to. Uh, I worked with a tour company, uh, a sort of a, a promoter uh, called Phoenix Theatre Arts, and uh, Campbell was one of the gigs on that on that tour. And then we were sort of halfway through it in February last year, uh, and then all of a sudden we started getting phone calls from the venues just saying, "Look, we're going to have to look at just postponing the show, maybe till later in the year." And then Campbell was one of those shows that it was like, "Okay, it's going to be." Uh, in a month and it was like do you know what actually it's going to be in the next six months and then uh, I think this is the fourth reschedule of it we've had we were going to be in February just gone the lockdown prevented Mm -hmm. it Uh, then it was going to be May uh, and then it's been pushed back ever so slightly because uh, this sort of easing of uh, of the lockdown meant that we couldn't actually open and now we're going to be yeah we're going to be one of the first shows back uh, on the 3rd of June uh, so yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, 
and they've been lovely. The, the theatre has been so supportive uh, in sort of rescheduling stuff, and and that's sort of fundamentally why you know obviously I want to sell tickets because I want to you know also make some money. There's no there's no hiding that, but I also really want people to feel confident to come back to the theatres to come back, and I just I want you know the young people um, of the UK to be able to start experiencing art because. Because that's why I love it. I watched, you know, I watched theatres and uh, theatre shows, sorry, and, and pantos and things like that from such a young age, and I think it had such a positive um, uh, influence on me. And and so I really hope that we can get back to that. Uh, mm. We get our young people to start enjoying enjoying live performance and get off those screens as much as we've relied yeah. on them over the last year. Uh, get off of get off of Netflix and Zoom, guys, and come to the theatre get out there and just enjoy our lives again on the third of um june then what's the audience situation what are you allowed to have how does it work so it is um the camberley is is i think it's usually about 500 seats um it's now 125 per show uh and they are all separated up into bubbles um so if you go onto the website there are there are like sort of seats of four and three and two they're all socially distanced um, and then we're doing two shows. Normally we would just do one, but we're going to do two to try and match what we would have been um, in you know, a similar capacity to what we would have had if we were there non-socially distanced. So, yeah, people book in bubbles. Um, they've, they've worked so hard, like many theatres, to make everything COVID secure. They've thought about everything, you know, one-way systems, uh, contactless payments, that kind of thing. So, yeah, if you're sort of listening to this and going, oh, I'd like to come back to the theatre, but I'm not sure... You know, if I feel confident, uh, I know there's been a lot of work um, in these in these businesses, and they spent a lot of money making sure that people feel comfortable coming back because that audience um, confidence needs to be there. Otherwise, the shows and the theatres won't survive. Well, it's been fantastic to uh, speak to you today. Um, just give us a reminder of where people can see you and tickets and stuff. Yes, yeah. So uh, it's the third of June. Uh, that's half term, I believe. So if you're looking for something to do with your family, um, it's 3rd of June at 2.30 and 7.30. Uh, the show is called Tom Brace Eat, Sleep, Amaze, Repeat, uh, because that's all I've done for a year. And uh, yeah, you can find those tickets on the Camberley uh, Theatre website. Uh, and also, if you want to hear more about me and what I do, uh, then you can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as Tom Brace Magic. And my website is tombracemagic.com. Goodness me, I've done that before. That was a real promo, a promo uh, speech there, wasn't it? But yeah, thank you so much for having me, uh, Roger and Beverly. Pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We very much hope you've been entertained. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page at Entertainment UK. You'll find all our podcasts at buzzpodcast.co.uk.